Well, welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. My name is Chris Reed, and I'm the Director of Biblical Education and your host for this podcast. We are continuing. We're going to do a second week in our new series that we're working through called Get to Know Your Bible. Now, last week we talked about the idea of how the Bible was unique, and we talked about inspiration. We talked about how the Bible is a collection of texts, not necessarily something that was written straight through. Uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit moved uh, to uh, to inspire the writers, which it was this 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 concept or this working of both human effort, human skill and the Holy Spirit, um, and, and, and surrounding and saturating that process. And so that's kind of what we talked about last week. Again, if you have any questions about what we talked about there, um, and Pastor Brandon actually asked me a great question this morning regarding the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that in our Q&R uh, episode that we're going to do at the end of this chunk. So in a couple weeks, we're going to do a Q&R episode. You could submit your questions by going to tcbsquestions at thetree.church. So make sure you uh, check out that link in the show notes and submit your questions, and we'll talk a little bit more if you have questions about the inspiration of Scripture. Now today we're going to be talking about when the Bible was written and why that's important for us to understand. Um, you're going to notice that we're going to be talking about some very imprecise date ranges. So you're going to be like, well, if it's so important, why don't we have exact date ranges? Well, we're talking about literature that was written thousands of years ago. So it's kind of hard to pin it down sometimes. And and we, and we so we'll talk a little bit about that. And I don't want to get too far into it. But um, so that's what we're going to kind of cover today. And we're going to talk about why it's important that we understand and at least have an idea of somewhat of when these books were written and when they're when the time period that they're talking about. So today for this uh, conversation, we're joined by Stacy Crawford. Hey, everyone. It's how so you, awesome to be here. Well, glad to have you back. Thank <laughs> you for being here. And Brandon Lightnecker, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about this today. Awesome. Yep. Now, um, you guys, I, I know you both have you both have been on staff for quite some time and you both um, are you, you both love the word of God and you both value it in your lives in, in a great degree. Um, let me ask this. I, I didn't put this question down in the notes. When I gave you this topic that we were talking about, how comfortable were you? Like, were you excited? <laughs> were you were you nervous about talking about this? Because this isn't like uh, this isn't pick up a passage and read it, and we're going to talk about mm -hmm. it. So it yeah. took a little bit more research, right? Right. So how comfortable were you with it, with this this concept? Are you excited about it? Yeah, I think the initial shock was like I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I knew general concepts of it, but. When I got to diving into it a little bit more, we even talked about it a little bit in the office this mm -hmm. week. Like it stirred in me a, a huge excitement yeah. about putting context to everything that we are always learning and studying. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I, it was a little bit of both where I was like, I don't feel like <laughs> I'm the right person to share this with people. But it gave me an opportunity to really study it, which always is exciting. You know, just like Brandon said, it's um, just awesome to take that opportunity to learn more. Um, but it is exciting because I'm excited to share then even some light bulb moments that I had <laughs> while I was looking at stuff uh, with individuals who may be in the same boat. So. Yeah, awesome. Sure. And Stacey, that's exactly why I asked you that question. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds like I set you guys up for like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I set you guys up for failure or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> but that's what I, I want us to understand. My, my heart with this podcast is, mm -hmm. is, I want us to see that all, we're all in the same boat when we're trying to understand the Word of God. We're mm -hmm. all in the same boat. It, nobody is infinitely wise in all of these things. Nobody right. knows all of this information off the top of their head. Like, it takes doing what, what we're all doing. We mm -hmm. all sat down. We all studied. We all right. researched. We all looked up, like, some of these things. And, and yes, it can be intimidating when we don't know something, mm -hmm. but you don't know until you know. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, taking the process to learn— mm -hmm. um, it's such a good thing for us to do, and it's a good practice. And and I hope that you at home are willing to jump in and and take some time and research and mm -hmm. study and look for, um, look for information on some of this stuff so that you can better understand the Word of God. Now, uh, another question that I want to ask you guys to kind of open up today's, uh, today's talk is is this um this is something that I might have asked you before, and I, I was trying to rack my brain and see if you guys were ones that I've asked this, but. I want you to share just a little bit your story uh, of of how the or I should say it this way the role that Scripture has played in your life. Mm -hmm. um, Stacy, why don't you go and start and you just share a little bit like why is 
why is studying the Bible so important to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, now, right now, it's because um, just opportunities to teach and uh, write devotionals and stuff. So it is like the more I know, the, the better equipped I am uh, for ministry. But I think even just in everyday life, you know, I grew up in the church. I, I heard the Bible stories, but I would say probably within the last five years, I have just really soaked in so much of God's word and it really has just become uh, just a normal part of my day. Like you can ask Ben, uh, my husband, if I don't get my quiet time in the morning, yeah. it affects the rest of my day, but it's just because I want to learn more about God. I want to learn about his character, but not just learning about God and, and what he wants from me. Um, I think one of the biggest roles that scripture has played in my life is just helping me through those hard seasons. Um, when I read this question, I just was like, that has probably been what has shaped how I've walked through the difficult things in life. Mm -hmm. um, and just when you know God's word, it's like when you're struggling, maybe in a season of waiting, it's like mm -hmm. wait upon the Lord, you mm -hmm. know, like it's not about my plans, but allowing God's plans to prevail. And so I think that's probably the greatest role is just those reminders that you need in those hard seasons of like, God's still, he's still good. He's still moving. He's still working. Mm -hmm. But being able to bring those scriptures to mind has just been, been so important. Awesome. Brandon, what about you? Yeah. Unlike Stacy and, and you, I was, and I know people know my story, but I wasn't raised in the church. And so the first major encounter that I had with scripture was I was a new believer. I just made that decision and I was sitting on my bedside and I was praying, and then I felt like God stirred me to to open up the scriptures and just start reading them because I had no context for what it was. You mm -hmm. know, I started going to church and started hearing all these new teachings and different things. And then there was a verse that God led me to that aligned with a prayer that I had just prayed. Mm. And it was like this real moment of, I know it's so cliche, but like the word of God being living and active in mm -hmm. my life. And since that moment, I've had that affection for the word because mm. it is living, you know, even as Stacy was pointing out in seasons when you need God's voice to be speaking into your life and maybe you're not hearing him as clearly, mm -hmm. maybe through the yeah. Holy Spirit, it points me back to God and allows me to have that like deep rootedness and mm -hmm. the truths of God. And I like, you know, I was raised in a house that truth wasn't really all that important. You know, mm -hmm. you can kind of create your own truths. And, and so to now have a clear direction on how to handle certain aspects of my life is, is such a pivotal thing for me. Mm -hmm. and, and so I just eat it all up every single time I get a chance to, to get in God's word. Yeah. Awesome. Now, how's the experience for you? Like you said, you grew up, you're, you're, you're learning it. Mm -hmm. Has your experience <clears throat> with studying and reading the Bible always been a good experience? Or have there been struggles that you've had as you've learned to, to read it and, and kind of fall in love with it? And how did you overcome those? Yeah, um, experience-wise, um, not to sound too spiritual, but Scripture has always been great to me. Okay. Like, I haven't Very had, cool. like, a, a down season where it was hyper-frustrating or those mm. types of things. There are Scriptures that are confusing for me, you know, right. things mm -hmm. that I need to continue to study and develop and understand. But I've always had a love for it, and it's like that Psalm 34 passage that talks about, like, tasting and seeing mm. that the Lord is good. Like, I've gotten that taste, and I just desire mm. that more. That being said introducing scriptures into conversations, talking about it more, having challenges to my thoughts and different things. That's kind of where I've began to wrestle a little bit more with it is when we have scriptural conversations, maybe I don't see eye to eye with the person that I am having that conversation with. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. figuring out all the nuances of scripture and trying to navigate all the disagreeances or the different views and everything that comes into right. the complexity of understanding scripture has been kind of the biggest challenge for me, but being okay with the nuances, mm. you know, I think we talk about that a lot, oh, even yeah. in discipleship, that there are times when it isn't always clear or makes sense in my brain, yeah. but going back to the character and, and confidence that I have in the trust of God, you know, right. is what draw, draws me back. But that's been the biggest challenge even over life is, watching others wrestle with mm. some of those truths and walking through those seasons with them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Stace? Um, I will be honest. Uh, it has not always been a great thing for me, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, like I said, I grew up in church. I knew the Bible stories. Um, but I would say, you know, as a teenager, I, I tried to read the Word of God, and I really, I would just keep finding myself in the New Testament because I'm like, I understand it. I love Jesus. Like, we're just going to hang here. Um, and even I went to Bible college and, you know, learned that was probably the first step in like, 
okay, I'm missing out on some different ways that you can really dive into scripture a little bit more. So that did help a little bit. Um, But then it was still probably quite a bit of a season until I would say I was here on staff and I was like, oh, here are some tools and some great ways to learn how to really read scripture. And then from there, not that it's been easy, like there are still times where like I've bought a a study Bible and, and things like that, where it's like, now I want to know more because um, I still will read things and I'm like, I have no idea what in the world that just said, but I'm thankful now that I'm like, I have the tools where I can go, okay, let's start off with like, what was the, the context? What, what was happening during that time? How do I think this applies to me? How do it apply to them? And so having those commentaries, those study Bibles has really helped. And then, like I said, like the last five years, it's just been like, I love reading um, God's word and learning more about it. That's awesome. It, it's it's funny to me how I, I found in my life, Stacey, my story is very similar to yours, um, and I shared it last week. But familiarity can oftentimes breed like a like almost like a a boredom, mm-hmm. like a, yeah. a, a boredom mm-hmm. with something, and and like how a new perspective changes that, like exactly. how the new how even. Um, and and this is what I shared, like the more I learned and understood about like the behind the scenes of the word of God, mm-hmm. the more I was intrigued by the word of yeah. God, the more I was intrigued by the God who was in the text that, that, that mm-hmm. I was reading. And so mm-hmm. like, it just kind of snowballed for me. And I think that I, if you're out there and you're like, man, I'm just bored out of my mind. I hmm. try, I, right. but I'm bored. Like, I don't know how, where to start. I don't know. Give it time, mm-hmm. study, research, exactly. and keep at it. And, and, and it transforms. Yeah. It, like it goes to a place where Oh, I, I can't go a day without it. Like you said, right. I can't go a day without it. Right. So, um, okay. So let's get into our topic today. Thank you guys for sharing your stories. Yeah. And uh, today I want to start by asking the question that Stacy, you kind of posed mm-hmm. to, to us as we were thinking about this topic. Um, and I'm actually going to let you ask it. So yeah. uh, we're going to kick <laughs> off with Stacy's question. I love it. Uh, why is it important that we talk about and understand when the Bible is written? Great question. <laughs> because it, it can seem like superfluous information. Like mm-hmm. we we all have a list right here in front of us of the dates that, that scholars generally think that the Bible Bible was written in. And mm-hmm. so uh, like we we have a list of every single book of the Bible and it has a date range beside it. And we jokingly said, we're just going to start this podcast by doing <laughs> Genesis 1445 to 1405 BC. Um, so it can seem that it seemed like that it's just background information. I think right. most of us think about like history class where mm-hmm. we're like, we're sitting in class and we're just memorizing all these dates and we don't really see the reason why it's good to understand those dates. So yeah. um, my answer, Stacy, is, is going to be multi multivalent. It's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot to it. And we're actually going to, it's going to take up most of the podcast is what we're going to talk about. You're welcome. It's a great question. Um, But if I had to give one word to it, like the the reason why is context and and context. I I don't think we realize how much context plays into us understanding the world around us, particularly when we're reading uh, literature and languages that were written thousands of year, years ago, languages that we don't necessarily aren't like common mm-hmm. knowledge to us. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of inference. There's a lot of, of, of piecing together information that we're doing yeah. to truly understand what the author is trying to communicate to us. And so um, I want to play a little game with you guys today <laughs> just to kind of illustrate this, this purpose. And yeah. I'm going to ask you guys, or I'm going to say a phrase to you guys, or I'm going to say something to you. And then I'm going to ask each of you what you think I'm trying to communicate. Great, so, great. Um, so if <laughs> I, I said, it. if I told you guys, I want you to go to College Hill and get your jacket. Brandon, what do you think I'm communicating in that? Well, I immediately go to my campus and think I'm going to go to the gift store and buy myself a varsity jacket or something. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it makes no so what, sense to me. What whatsoever. campus are you going to? <laughs> I don't know. College Hill. It's like a, a college in California, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> going to College Hill in California to pick up a jacket. So yeah. is that your final answer? That is my final answer. All right. <laughs> Stacy, what would you think if I said to you, go to College Hill and get your jacket? So I went to Malone. It was Malone College, but it was Malone. It's Malone University now. And College Hill was the name of the dorm that oh, I lived in. Sneaky, sneaky. And so if you told me to go to College Hill and get your jacket, I would say, well, then I need to go to my dorm room and get the jacket. All right. So that's not fair. <laughs> so you I knew that. I knew that because I also graduated from Malone. So 
but but you get the point. Like the the picture is this that that like Brandon understood generally sure, what was yeah, being said. Yeah, right. Stacy knew specifically That's what was being great said. Example, yeah. So so one more example, just because I I want to let Brandon redeem himself here. So <laughs> it's my turn to look silly. <laughs> if I said take the bit, take that bit over there and put it over there, Stacy, what do you think that I mean? Take that bit. Yeah. Like a piece of something from one place to the next. <laughs> sure. Is that is that your final answer? That was I'll, more of a question I'll, I'll than it was. Yeah. Question mark. All I think is like a like a little piece of a tool or something. <laughs> there was a little piece of chocolate laying here earlier. It was a bit of chocolate. Put a little bit of chocolate. <laughs> yes, that's my final answer. All right, Brandon, what about you? Well, I immediately go to horses, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I go to the concept of a bit that you put in a horse's ah, mouth that's attached yes. to the bridle, and you take that bit and put it over there, or take that bit from that horse to that horse and move it along. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I was trying yeah, to communicate. Yeah. So, again, you guys get the picture of there's, there's ways in which we communicate, mm -hmm. and without context, we can't always put together right. exactly what's being communicated. And this is what we're doing with Scripture. We're mm -hmm. trying to understand from all the clues that we can gather, all the pieces that we can put together, yeah. exactly what the authors were trying to communicate. And yeah. a lot of times, our history, our background, our perspectives, mm -hmm. um, they play into how we understand something, whether we understand what's being communicated. Right. And so this is why, Brandon, you said it earlier, like why there's so many perspectives on certain passages. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is why, because yeah. we we are each bringing different information. We're each trying to understand, mm -hmm. um, and we're each trying to gather the information that we have to put together what we best mean. Mm -hmm. And and so like this, this, I think if nothing else plays out, like if you understand and walk away from this podcast with this idea that, that we have to start thinking about what is the context of yes. what's being mm -hmm. written? Right. Um, and, and so what we bring to it and, and what we understand of what's going on around these things, including the date that we're that we think it's written, because date just gives us history. Date mm -hmm. gives us like like cultural context and whatnot. Um, it just helps us give us more information. Yeah. I, I really appreciated Brandon. This is just a just a, an aside. The story you shared a couple weeks ago at church about going to Ben Franklin. Now, I also have experience at Ben Franklin's. Nice, nice. So my grandmother worked at a Ben Franklin's <laughs> awesome. in our small little town. Hmm. But and, and I would ride my bike there, and we'd go there with my parents. And yeah. they, I always remember they sold these little round discs of, of beef jerky. Nice. Huh. And so like it was these little round beef, round, and they were like chewing on shoe leather is what they were like. <laughs> But you could throw that in your mouth as a kid and chew on it for a couple hours and you're good to go. So um, I just yeah, random thing. Yeah. And Santa Claus was always there. Interesting. It had a creepy basement and Santa Claus was always in the creepy basement. So huh. yeah, yeah, very unique. So we share context. Nice. I love it. But I yet it's different, right? Yes, for sure. No so. clue what you're talking about. Didn't you listen to Brandon's story? Oh, well, yes. I listened to Brandon's <laughs> okay. story, but I don't ben know what Franklin's a Ben Franklin's is. It's a store. <laughs> She zoned out during that time. <laughs> I knew it was a store, but yeah, I've yeah. never been to one. We'll just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> so this is why understanding what when the book was when the books were written, what the time period and time frame that we're kind of talking about in the books, that's why it's important. Mm -hmm. So knowing the date gives context and it gives us more clues. So right. let's talk specifically about scripture. We've got some really good examples in our lives of how that plays out. Mm -hmm. But Let's just look at the prophets and the kings. Mm -hmm. So like what you may not understand, may not realize or may not have known is that a lot of times the prophets and the kings line up over mm -hmm. top of each other. So when you're reading the book of, and I've got to go to my reference notes here, <laughs> when you're reading the book of Jonah, what you may not realize is that um, Jeroboam is king in Israel and there's no other prophets going on at that time. Mm -hmm. But you may not realize that Isaiah and Micah and Hosea are are they're all kind of like right. at the same time period. They're doing things during the, the during the kingdom of Hezekiah, mm -hmm. Ahaz, uh, Jotham. So all of these stories we're hearing about in like chronicles and things like that. Well, we're getting more context and we're getting more details to the story and what's going on in Israel through the prophetic writings as mm -hmm. well. And so those two things feed off of each other. So knowing the dates of of these things really gives us context right. for how to interpret each other mm -hmm. do the Bibles. Can you guys think of another example of, of how 
um, two books overlap to tell stories. Did I steal your guys' examples? <laughs> no, okay. no. No, we're, we're uh, reading Run with the Horses. This was a Eugene Peterson book, uh -huh. and he's talking about the life of Jeremiah. But he does such a great job of painting the context of what Jeremiah would have been combating in that time and how through his time of being a prophet, how things shifted and how his language shifted and how God was sp speaking specifically to the people of that time. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been eye-opening for me as I've heard the story of Jeremiah, his upbringing, why God called him when he did and how he did and all the words that he spoke to him, like those things all played into such a significance. And then also, I, I know you've been talking to you about it a bunch, but I just finished reading the book of Job and like understanding mm -hmm. when it was written, why some of the language is written in the way that it was. Cause sure. I even asked you the question of like, man, how are these guys so eloquent in their yeah. writings? And it was just amazing to read the, the references that they gave mm -hmm. the, the, pictures that they were able to, you know, or that Joe was able to kind of illustrate in those books all pointed to the things that they would have been experiencing in that time and day. And so it's just really fascinating mm -hmm. how you can look into that. Sure. Yeah. And understanding that Job was written in the time of the patriarchs, like is mm -hmm. really important because if you yes. look at the way Job interacts with God, he doesn't go to temple. He doesn't go to tabernacle. Right. The way he worships, the way he sacrifices right. is more, um, resonant of Abraham than it is Correct. of Israel, mm -hmm. like a, a developed Israel. And so yeah. knowing that it was written at that time period gives context to right. mm -hmm. why what's going on in, is going on in, in Job. Yeah. Stacey, no, that, about you? that was honestly the fir very first thing that stuck out to me was just what you guys were saying. I was like, I never thought about that. You know, like Job was not written when I originally would have put it. And, mm -hmm. and just the fact that it's probably earlier than what I would have thought, like it's just fascinating because then it does put that okay, that's why he wrote it that way, or that's why that mm -hmm. is in there. Yeah. Sure. And so um, not only does it, it give us context for what's going on, one of the pieces of context that it's really going to give to us with us understanding how the books are, it's going to give us context for how the books were written, because this kind of plays out with like the significant events of um, with the significant events of Israel's history mm -hmm. and, and the significant events that happened in the New Testament. So mm -hmm. the, the biggest example I can think of is there's a lot of conversation around when the books of the New Testament were written right. in reference to the destruction of the temple. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of prophetic language. And, and when I say prophetic, I don't mean like future telling. I mean more like judgment against the temple mm -hmm. and whether or not the writer was writing that in context of it was already happened mm. or they're, they're preparing is like, they know that something's coming. You right. know what I mean? And they're right. preparing Israel for the, the church for that. Mm -hmm. um, so like knowing when exactly that book is written gives context to how they were writing and, and the mm -hmm. things that they included. And, and so, um, so knowing that place in history is important right. for you guys. How much do the milestones of your life shape how you think and act and communicate? Oh, I think it's huge. Like, um, I think Phil Venrick one time said to me, uh, you know, like each, almost like each season you walk through each step of faith is almost like that, that pillar that you're walking, um, you're walking on and you can look, I can look back at my life and I can say like, you know, I knew this much about God when I was a teenager mm -hmm. and then I went to Bible college and it was like, it grew and it expanded. And then that helped to direct the path from, you know, my life and my life choices. And then, you know, if you get married and that's a whole other thing, you know, um, it, it really is learning to sacrifice and do these things that God calls sure. you to. Then I became a mom and, you know, and now it's like, I want to eat up as much as I can about how to be a good parent. How do I disciple my child? So I think each milestone has led me deeper to God. I hope this makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's led me deeper to God, but it is almost like with each milestone, you almost seek different things in God's word too, you know? And that's why I do love that it, like God's word is living and breathing and active is because he knows us. He knows, he knew what I would be able to stomach essentially as a teenager, what I would be able to understand as opposed to now, you know, as an adult married, have kids, you know, what I, what I I am capable of understanding now in this moment. Mm -hmm. Sure, mm -hmm. and and you would communicate that relationship with God differently. Oh yeah. Now as oh, a wife and mother, one hundred percent. I do not talk teacher. like I did when I when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like I did either. So. That's probably for the best in my case, but not that I'm a wife and a mother. But. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Brandon, what about you, buddy? No, I just think you were talking about your kiddos and mm -hmm. how you 
start to process life through their eyes at times. Yeah. And when they're doing devotions, like what my son is able to process mm -hmm. at his age, oh, yeah. you know, I want to just dump on him some knowledge at right. times, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Right. But I understand that he's trying to process and how that relates to what he's currently going through mm -hmm. in his life. So if I were to sit there and break down the scriptures and tell him every date of, of the Bible, <laughs> he might love it, but he's not going to, you know, right. use that as an application tool. He's going to try and understand the, exactly. his relationship with God. And it was very, very true for me in that same way. Early on, all I wanted to talk about was just the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But uh, initially it, or eventually it turned into this deeper understanding. You, you spoke so well about it, but the deeper understanding of scripture, it painted a different picture of who God was right. and what mm -hmm. was going on in those things. Right. Like originally it was just like ink on a, a canvas, but like God started adding colors to mm -hmm. it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And depth to it and understanding. So right. that's all now helped in understanding and going through different seasons, mm -hmm. you know? Um, right. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, no. And those are great examples of, of, of what I was kind of trying mm -hmm. to talk about there. Yeah. But the, the idea that, that each one of these people, when they wrote, they wrote for specific occasions that was specific milestones. Mm -hmm. And each of these things that happened in their lives, Paul wrote different after he met I mean, Paul acted different after mm -hmm. he met Jesus mm -hmm. yeah. and, and he, he acted differently when he was in prison and he, he communicated differently when he wasn't in prison. Right. And so all of these different milestones in his life mm -hmm. kind of played out to how he communicated and what he communicated mm -hmm. to these churches. Yeah. And so that knowing when that happens, knowing the timeline of all of that is right. so important. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I, I think you hear kind of what <laughs> I keep reiterating over and over again. Why does it matter that we understand the history? Context, context, context. Mm -hmm. um, and so one last note before we kind of get, we move on to the next portion of this. Um, the story's chronology, I don't want to confuse something here. The story's chronology, so the story of Scripture, mm -hmm. the stories we see in Scripture, the chronology of those events are not necessarily always equal to the time that the Bible was written, right. the, the, the time that those texts were written. So I want to keep that in our mind because mm -hmm. I think at times we can think, well, and, and, and I kind of illustrated it with the prophets and the kings, like mm -hmm. this is happening in time, parallel in time. So right. Isaiah and King Uzziah, like the, that's happening at the same time, or this section in Chronicles that talks about King Uzziah. Mm -hmm. But what we need to remember is that does not always equate to the timeline of when it was written. Right. So um, understanding that um, maybe the book of Genesis wasn't the first book written, mm -hmm. um, understanding that even though it's the first book in the Bible, I, th I think that's an important thing to understand. Oh, yeah. it, and it gives us even more context to mm -hmm. under understanding how they were written. Right. Brandon, you brought up a, a great question, and I, I mentioned this in last week's podcast, the idea that these these stories, a lot of these stories were first oral tradition. Mm -hmm. You asked a great question about this. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just kind of explain what you were thinking when you were thinking about the, the idea of oral tradition? Yeah, my a lot of my questions stem from a curiosity and understanding mm -hmm. how that was passed down. You see in scripture that it's often like, do these ceremonies, mm -hmm. do these religious traditions yeah. gather together, to almost as we I talked about a couple of weeks ago with communion, like in remembrance of these things, uh -huh. you know, pointing back to this time and date. And I'm just always curious as to how that happened, you mm -hmm. know, and how like from family member to family member, yeah. was it just this story that they reiterated on? And, and you know, scripture tells them repeatedly, keep talking about these stories, mm -hmm. keep setting up these monuments, keep remembering all these things that happened. Yeah. And it, it is fascinating. Even, you know, you, you look at a man like Moses and this time when he's writing these stories, these were stories that were passed down to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moses wasn't at the creation yeah. of things, yeah. right? You're right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> through his oral traditions that he had heard through his history and through the culture that he was a part of. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just interesting how yeah. all those things were at once spoken and then they became written text. Yeah, and, and honestly, the people of Israel are known for mm -hmm. the people of the text. And so like mm -hmm. they become one of the first, though other cultures are writing before them, other cultures right. are, are writing things down and recording things, N nobody does it quite like mm -hmm. the Hebrew people do it. And right. so like they become right. known as the people of the text. And so we kind of walk in that tradition that mm -hmm. these stories that were told and passed down are given to them now and written down in these texts. And, mm -hmm. and so these stories of who God is and what God is doing, they get recorded for 
the purpose of passing them along, mm-hmm. continuing the witness of yeah. uh, of these um, of these things. The gospels, honestly, we think about this mo- a lot of times in the Old Testament, but the New Testament started as oral tradition, yeah. like mm-hmm. right. the, the the disciples witness Jesus alive mm-hmm. from the dead, and so they begin to tell these stories to right. all of these people around them. And so um, now the New Testament takes care of this in a much quicker fashion yeah. than the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. But but these stories get get written down eventually because and and the most of the reason is because the the apostles started to um the apostles started to die off and they wanted right. to they wanted to preserve the apostles tradition mm-hmm. that were being passed along. And so mm-hmm. you start to see these things written yeah. the gospels, Jesus uh, or James and and let Paul write in his letters to the churches and stuff. They're, they're writing these things down as a way to communicate and to keep mm-hmm. um, keep this witness going. Yeah. yeah. So um, can I add something? Yeah, absolutely. I just I, when when well, it you depends. S- okay, just, we'll see. <laughs> make it cut out. I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking though with the whole oral tradition. To me, it was just so cool that like that was just such a natural part of what they did too. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like that they spoke it so often that the next generation knew it like that. I don't know. Like that just was a, a switch flip for me too, where it was like, it was spoken first yeah. and then somebody had to write it. Yeah. But you know, it was passed down from generation to generation to generation in that way. And I just think, I don't know. I just found that fascinating and really cool that it went from just an oral tradition to we're going to write this down so that many generations to come can yeah. read God's word. And what's crazy, Stacy, is it the idea that, so the Holy Spirit protected the the, the messages and yeah. the, the thoughts yeah. of through that oral tradition, protected it as it was being written, right. guided it as it was being passed down, even through the generations mm-hmm. to us to where, like, honestly, most of these things, even even the written word would have been a spoken word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ta- Michael and I talked about this uh, last week, but the people who heard, uh, were, I, I say it this way. The Bible was not available like it was, or to, to man, I'm fumbling here. Sorry, <laughs> the Bible is not available to them like it is to us. Yeah, so right. where we can walk into every hotel and the Gideons have exactly. laid a Bible right there that we can read. It's it's so ample in our culture. Right, books were not ample, scrolls were not ample, and so the idea of the the written word being spoken over mm-hmm. people this was the main way that people got scripture so yeah. those festivals those storytelling that like that oral tradition kind of continued right. for for a long time and then the reformation happened in the printing press and yeah. mm-hmm. now now we become a reading culture mm-hmm. as opposed to a uh, a spoken word culture necessarily right. mm-hmm. so and honestly i think we're working back towards that with the uh, now I'm getting into communication theory. I'm sorry, <laughs> we're, but we like video. We like yeah. mm-hmm. we like visuals, and so mm-hmm. we're a visual oral culture again. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, r- getting people to read things is difficult at times. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Because reading is difficult and it's hard to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But all right, um, and then lastly, why? <laughs> I feel like we sidetracked there for a minute, but. <laughs> To answer the question why it's important that we understand the dates mm-hmm. is it also helps us legitimize the texts. Yeah. So um, in the New Testament, what we have is we have these written witnesses, and we kind of mentioned already, well within the lifespan mm-hmm. of the people telling them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and we're going to talk about the dates here in just a moment, but it helps cor- it helps gives legitimacy to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you something... And I tell you a, a lie about something that happens around us. Brandon is right here with us too. What's he going to say? Because he's a good and upstanding person. I lied to you. <laughs> he's going to say that's not true. Well, yeah, I'm going to speak up and say, hey, that's not correct. Right. right. Yeah. So so these letters, these these gospels, these things written for the New Testament are being written in a time span when all of these people hmm. are, right. are potentially still alive Yeah. that could have gone... No, that, I don't think that's that right. Happened. That's not how that happened. <laughs> so the things of the New Testament, as they're passed around, um, the letters, the 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 gospels, and whatnot, there's a lot of there's a lot of checks for saying, mm-hmm. hey, that's not quite the way we communicate or think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So because these original witnesses are still alive, and so um, this is a a beneficial thing of understanding when these texts were written, understanding and, and placing them within history, mm-hmm. it allows us to go. Oh, I can have confidence that what Mark says mm-hmm. 
is is his rendition and it is an accurate rendition of mm-hmm. of of what he wrote yeah. uh, of what happened with Jesus's life. So, yeah. um, so just another important reason for why we understand that now. Yeah, and I I think it's so cool that you read the Gospels and each one of them is unique from each one of the right. unique perspectives, perspectives that yeah. indiv- those individuals wrote in, but also that their stories do align, that mm-hmm. there is an alignment yeah. of their experiences. And I yeah. I don't know, but I'm guessing that they all wrote them independently in the sense of that there was probably some collaboration and some things, but mm-hmm. that they wrote from a perspective or a time that was different, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. so they're all telling those same stories because they were there witnessing, experiencing them, and knowing Jesus right. fully in that time. Right, right. and, and you, you mentioned the unity of it, but also the diversity of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's occasion creates the diversity. Right. So like what we were talking about earlier, understanding the audience that it's going to, understanding the, the people that, that it's, it's landing for, mm-hmm. um, they each wrote, the same stories and and there's there are scholars that they they debate this all the time <laughs> like everything yeah <laughs> so which one was first which one kind of fed into the other ones P- particularly the synoptics they believe that each of them kind of worked off of either another source of Jesus's sayings or the or tradition of Jesus's yeah. sayings or some of them thought that they even worked off of each other's mm-hmm. documents where um Luke straight up says I I've I've, I've done my interviewed research. all the witnesses. <laughs> yeah. <right>. So, um, <laughs> but, and there's some scholars that say that he was the first one to write, which hmm. that's not as common as they yeah. say. Mark was probably the first one to write his gospel, but anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're, we're going to talk about all of those things later on in the series, but yeah, so th- they would have referenced off each other, but mm-hmm. for the purposes of speaking to their specific context and their specific mm-hmm. times yeah. mm-hmm. for their reasons that they want to write to them, the occasions right. that they have to write to them. So, right. And not knowing though, that like, I love that though. I, w- I, I wrote that in my notes earlier where I was like, I love that about the gospels though, is because it gives you a different glimpse of Jesus all yeah. throughout, like mm-hmm. just even from their perspective and the way that they were writing from and whatever relationship they had with him. Like, I just, I love that they did it, probably did, had no idea that was going to happen, but now we get to read it and we're like, Oh, you know, like that gives me a different perspective of Jesus in this story. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you, you witness the same event and you, you're just standing in different, pers- different exactly. spots. Yeah. Um, like, like if you see a car accident, somebody who sees it from, the left side, somebody who mm-hmm. was in the car, somebody who was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Staying right. like, I always to say this example, like somebody who's standing down at the church windows watching it happen up on the street. <laughs> right. So, you know what I mean? Like the different perspectives just bring different nuances to yeah. how the story's told. Mm-hmm. So, so now let's talk about the timeline of, let's actually talk about some dates and talk about the timeline. We kind of alluded to it, but, um, before we get going though, and I'm going to let you guys kind of talk through it because I feel like I've <laughs> talked a lot and, and so I want to, I want to let you guys do it, but before we get into there, I just let, keep in mind, if you're listening to this, that the date ranges for the old Testament are fairly large. It's mm-hmm. really hard to pinpoint when these, when these books were written necessarily originally. Um, and so they have date ranges. Yeah. If you read something else and you're like, that doesn't line up with what, what I read on this, this book or this resource, that's fine. The, the, honestly, different scholars have different ranges for, mm-hmm. for these things. Again, because it's just super difficult. We're talking about, I mean, Genesis, they think, is written somewhere around 1400 to mm. like 1445 BC. Like, like that's like four to 5,000 years ago. Yeah. Like, I don't think we put in context how long ago that was. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, let's keep in mind and give grace for as we're trying to, <laughs> to, to figure out these date ranges. But we do get a good enough picture of mm-hmm. when we think these things were put together. So, um, as we get to the New Testament, the range is going to get a little tighter. And again, you're going to find a scholar that will argue for early dating, late dating, middle dating, for all of the above. So there's still a lot of conversation, but the ranges do get a lot tighter as mm-hmm. you get into the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm just going to kick it to you guys instead of me reading Genesis 1445 to 1405. <laughs> um, let's just kind of Old Testament... If I said the word Pentateuch, Stacey, you know what I'm talking about? The first five books yep, of the Bible. I got that one. <laughs> give, give us a, a rough range for when we're thinking like that's going to show up. Well, even just looking at this timeline, it, all relatively, it looks like most of them 1445 to 1405 BC. So, mm-hmm. but even just that, the fact that like it's the same exact range for all of them, like even that just kind of blows your mind because when you read it, you think, well, that happened and then that happened. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But. Well, and the thought process behind that is this, that you get Moses 
contributing to these books. So True. like, he, right. so Moses is is primarily thought to be the writer True. of those books, and so his lifespan right. tends to fall within that fourteen forty five right. to fourteen oh five range. So it takes some time to write that much, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. It does. It did, yeah. So, so that's why it's really tied to that time frame mm-hmm. is because right. they they believe that Moses had a hand in some of, in in those texts, if not the author of all of it. Right. Um, and so um, that's why that's getting that date range. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I talk just for a, a second about that breakdown? Because sure. I think that brought a lot of context to me as well, because there's a mm-hmm. ton of smart people out there who put a ton <laughs> of time and energy into dividing those up. You talked about the Pentateuch, the Torah, like that concept. And you would even understand that if you look at Israel, Israel's history, how they would memorize that and study that. And mm-hmm. that would become part of their oral tradition or part of their studies and things. But the breakdown of each of those books and lumping them together puts context to like understanding why they're all written in the mm-hmm. way they're written yeah. and, right. and, and different right. things like that. So the breakdown that I saw, and you guys can correct this if, if it's off in any way, but the books of the law, the Pentateuch, the mm-hmm. Torah, that type of mm-hmm. thing, the historical books that tell us all the chronological events and right. things that were happening in the history mm-hmm. of Israel as it's unfolding and, sure. and those types of things. The poetic books, you know, you get in there with mm-hmm. Psalms and you Ecclesiastes, know, Job, Ecclesiastes, yeah. Songs. yeah, all of those things are kind of lumped right there in the middle. The prophetic books, clearly, we talk about prophecy. <laughs> right. The Gospels, which we've talked about, the there's a historical book, the the New Testament historical book, the letters that were, that were written, mm-hmm. and then of course the Book of Vision, the last one, Revelation. Right. But all of those things, smart people have broken those down and, yeah. and put them where they need to, and right. kind of gives us. And the flow of why the Bible is put the way that it is. Right. Yeah. And what's really interesting um, is that the Hebrew Bible is is a little different than ours. Sure. Mm-hmm. He, they classify some of the books differently than we classify them right. and order them in, the, in their text. Um, and, and so they're grouped by their more their genre than they are. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so... I'm trying to think how much I want to get into this because we're going to talk about this later on too. <laughs> so, no. Um, yeah, let me think. So when we're talking about the Pentateuch and Deuteronomy, that is really like you you mentioned earlier. That is the heart. That is mm-hmm. the that is the central piece of the Hebrew Scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned like young boys would learn and memorize this th- that section because that's where the law is found. That's where the covenants are found. Mm-hmm. Everything that's important to Israel really kind of centers and stems off of mm-hmm. the, those first five books. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and re- and that's why Moses is so important, because Moses is said to have written those books. Mm-hmm. So um, that that is the tradition that has been passed down. Um, um, the next section, let's look at, let's look at it in the next way. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to break off of the typical section because sure. it yeah. it uh, typically Psalms falls in that later portion right. of mm-hmm. of the of the the writings the his, um, the poetic books and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. The Psalms are funny because they're a collection and in the dating that they give those are the 1410 to 450 BC. That's a long range. <laughs> so you're looking at about a thousand years right. of these things being written, yeah. collected and put together. So that's really important to keep in mind. Right. Like a lot of the Psalms could, some of the Psalms could have come from as early as Moses. Mm-hmm. Some of the Psalms would have come as late as the prophet Malachi and right. some of the, some of the later prophets. And so you get this when you're reading the Psalms, you've got to keep in mind mm-hmm. there's this vast range right. of these things being written um, and collected and, and stored for us. So, um, and then there's the the writings, uh, I'm sorry, the historical books, as you said it. So, mm-hmm. Brandon, why don't you talk a little bit about, about those Joshua, Judges, Ruth, those types of books? Yeah, they were really kind of the um, unfolding of the story mm-hmm. of, of that was happening with the development of the nation mm-hmm. itself. So a lot of it is built on the the move of them into the promised land, the foundation that they were building within the promised mm-hmm. land, um, all of the events that were occurring within the promised land. So it is more historical in reading it, uh-huh. more list and sometimes chronological list of names and different things, which is amazing. You taught a message one time, I don't know if you remember this, where you were given the task of just talking through a list of names, but Mm -hmm. you opened it up to say that they're all significant in telling the story of Jesus and how it all pointed to Jesus at one point in time. But all of those things, we might be like, I'm skipping over that portion (laughs) or whatever. But it is, if you take the time to read through it, that tells a story of families and generations Mm -hmm. of people who have been connected to God and and, and stuff like that. So that, I think that kind of makes up a, a lot of those 
mm-hmm. you know, breakdown of their establishment as a nation. Sure. Yeah. And, and so you're looking at dates 1400s to, uh, uh, looks like it's got judges at 1043 BC. And if you mm-hmm. don't, if back to history 101, BC is working backwards. So keep that in mind. <laughs> that throws you off. Yeah. <laughs> BC, we're working from the higher number to the lower number. Yeah. So, um, and so they think, yeah, even the book of Judges looks like it's more 1043. So it's a, a later book, mm-hmm. even though it's jumped right in there and, and looks like it follows right after Joshua, mm-hmm. um, written a little bit later and um, telling the story of Israel's leaders and that, that early time period for Israel. Um, Ruth 1030. Yeah. So around that 1000, that early 1000 range, 1400 to early 1000 range is what we're looking at with the writings of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, Song of Songs, Psalms, mm-hmm. we already talked about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, that's the mid 900s mm-hmm. BC. Um, Samuel, around the same time. Oh, but uh, I'm sorry, some of the apocryphal books are in here. That's why I'm like, yeah, book- yeah, I've seen that list too. <laughs> I was like, whoa, those like, aren't ones that I've read. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but Samuel, those things are mid 900s to 700s. Uh, they mm-hmm. think David fell um, around around the late 700s, mid to late 700s okay. BC. Um, so that's what you're looking at there. The prophets, Stacy, we got we got all kinds of prophets there. There's a whole bunch going on there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fascinating to me that some of the prophets are, like their dates are listed before things like kings and, and things like that, which is interesting. Um, I mean, you've got Joel and Jonah and Amos and Hosea, all of those 700s to 600 bc mm-hmm. and then there's some further down but yeah yeah and that window certainly narrows because you mentioned earlier that there is actual historical context that points to some of those things mm-hmm. so sure. that's why they're able to narrow that and right. pinpoint it a little right. bit more right. yeah and in what's funny is if you look like if, if okay so if you go to to biblegateway.com and you go to there's a blog post when was each of the bible written each book of the bible written you'll find all of that What's interesting is all of the minor prophets, what we would call minor prophets, major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Minor prophets are like Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Micah, I, uh, not Isaiah, Nahum, Zephaniah, like Habakkuk. All of these, like, they were grouped together mm-hmm. in the Hebrew Bible. So yeah. it was called the Book of the Twelve. And so it was the 12 minor, what we would call minor prophets. Mm-hmm. And so they think those kind of took shape or all about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, where and when you say major and minor, it's not that one was more significant than the other. It's the, the, the volume, volume of yeah. their work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Ezekiel is a longer book. Jeremiah is a longer book. Mm-hmm. And, and Isaiah is a really long book. Right. Yeah. So is Isaiah the lar- largest? I book think in the it's Bible? the large. Yeah. I don't know if it's the largest book in the Bible, but it's, the I'd prophets. have to research that. You might yeah. be right about that. But, um, so yeah, and then then you get the chronicles, which are honestly that is a repeat of or a retelling mm-hmm. of the book of Kings. Uh, so you've got First and Second Kings, which fall five sixty one to five thirty eight, and Chronicles follows it with around four fifty four thirty, and and so it's almost like they're retelling as they come back. And this is about mm-hmm. the time they're going to start talking about returning from exile and coming back into mm-hmm. the promised land. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're looking you're looking at a retelling of their history. They're re-chronicling hmm. um, what Kings captured. And so if you read first Kings, second Kings, and then you read first Chronicles, second Chronicles, you're going to be like, I read this already. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Doesn't one of the books always reference the other two, you know, it finishes out like each chapter with as was written in this book, or yeah, as was yeah. written in the right. book of Kings. Yep. You know, yep. like they really build off of each other a little bit. Yeah. And then, and, and, and again, it's just like the gospels, there's different nuances brought in. Now they're, they're writing in light of the fact that they were sure. just coming back. They mm-hmm. were just destroyed by Babylon. Right. They were just exiled and now they're coming back. So, um, all right. So that takes care of, most of the books of the Bible, the, the, most of the Old Testament, and, and they put Malachi towards the end of the writing tradition of the Old Testament proper. Now, there are apocryphal books. When I say that, um, another term for them are, are pseudonym. Stacy? Pseudonymous books. Uh, wow, I'm butchering that. Yeah. I should know that, but 
I can't say that word today. Do you want me to Google it? I did that no. for somebody the other day. We'll, we'll let Google say it. So, <laughs> but these are books that oftentimes are are highly valued by um, by many Christians, by many Jewish uh, rabbis and stuff, but they're not necessarily found to be exactly um, on the same par, same level mm. as Scripture. So mm. they don't carry the same authority yeah. that Scripture has. And that often... Right sets the difference between the the two. So mm -hmm. they don't carry the same authority. But those actually were written, a lot of those were written in between the time of Malachi and when we're starting to see the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Some of them are even written post-New Testament. So like Second Esdras um, is an apocalyptic, it's an apocalyptic work, mm. very similar to the book of Revelation. Mm. They even think that the two might have been written, kind of they, they might have coincided with each other. Mm. Um, so that was actually written in 100 AD, hmm. but it would be sandwiched in with the apocryphal works that typically okay. show up in between that intertestamental period. So, gotcha. so you're looking about 400 to about um, 50 AD before hmm. we start looking at some of the New Testament books. Hmm. And something interesting, and, and if you're bored by this and you've shut it off already, <laughs> please pick it back up yes. and listen again because this <laughs> tune, is important tune stuff. Tune back in. Yeah, tune back in. <laughs> This is nerd stuff, and, and if you want to really read and understand and love the Bible, you, you got to get a little nerdy. So, um, But looking at the New Testament, we're looking at James possibly mm -hmm. being the first one written um, around 44, 40 through 49. Uh, and, and you can see now, we're not talking hundreds of years. We're, we're talking like four or five years being the gap Yeah, for the New Testament books. You get the book of Galatians, which is Paul's first letter. Mm -hmm that they think Thessalonians is up there pretty quickly. We're looking at 4950. So you're getting the start of Paul's letters. You're, you're getting a gospel in there around 50 yeah. to 60 Matthew uh, with Mark and Matthew. Um, and then you're, you're getting really Paul's letters really take up the bulk of the early mm -hmm. Christian work. Um, then Luke jumps in there around 60, 61 um, more of Paul letter, Paul's letters, 60 to 62 acts, Honestly, Acts, they date Acts at 62. Um, Luke and Acts were traditionally tied together. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. traditionally, mm -hmm. right. when you look at the manuscripts that are passed down, and I'm talking like the Greek and Latin manuscripts, mm -hmm. typically those were tied together, the earlier yeah. manuscripts. So they think those would have been written about the same time. Mm -hmm. um, First Timothy, you get later. You start to get the pastoral epistles later. First Peter, Second Timothy, Second Peter, those you're looking about 62 to 68, 69, um, Hebrews 67 to 69. And then um, you're closing off with the Gospel of John, which is one of the latest Gospels written mm -hmm. between 80 and 90 AD. And then you're all of essentially all of the the, the canonized John letters right. fall within that late 80 to 100 mm -hmm. with Revelation kind of rolling it off. Yeah. Um, 94 to 96 yeah. being the latest. Yeah, and they're able to map out even like Paul's missionary journey by understanding some of these yeah. dates and mm -hmm. like where he was and why right. he was writing letters yeah. at the time that he was. And right. it is fascinating. I know we don't have all of Paul's letters, but it's fascinating to kind of see mm -hmm. that flow and how they do map it out yeah. and yeah. where he ends up. You right. know. And and yeah. honestly, the the letters, the, it really falls, becomes so important because they start trying to pinpoint where Paul was when mm -hmm. he was writing to what churches because all of that information, again, brings mm -hmm. context into right. mm -hmm. why he's writing, what he's experiencing, mm -hmm. what's going on, right. so that we can better understand what he, what yeah. he means. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. earlier, like, Paul talking about his chains and things like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And it's not sometimes metaphorical. Like, he right. is right. actually experiencing yeah. prison, exactly. imprisonment and those types mm -hmm. of things, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and what, where is he at when he's in prison? Mm -hmm. yeah. Some people think Ephesus. Some people think Rome. Some people <laughs> think... Like which time that he was imprisoned, you right. know what I mean? Right. So like yeah. the date right. matters for all of that. Yeah, so. it does. It does. You know what I find interesting too is like the Old Testament was like thousands of years where, you know, it took a long time to, to write. But even as we think about like history, the, the way to print and things, you know, or like writing itself or what they were writing on was yeah. becoming more and more advanced. That was intriguing to me as I was studying. I can't remember what went from what, but just even <laughs> that thought process of like, they started with oral, oral tradition and then, you know, they were writing on stones and, you know, the progression that it took. So I go, well, it makes sense that the New Testament could have been a lot quicker because of some of those advancements sure. as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and and th- that that whole process is so interesting, mm-hmm. and, and maybe I do a whole podcast on that. I, <laughs> I don't have that in the scope yet, but like just thinking about the idea, they the New Testament writers would have hired a scribe, mm-hmm. most of them, yeah. like Paul particularly. He, he I think Romans the, the scribe actually mentions his own name yeah. right, right. <laughs> in in the letter. But they would have hired a scribe. The scribe would have come. They would have talked with the scribe mm-hmm. about this letter that they wanted to write. Um, they would have done a first draft in like a wax tablet. Mm-hmm. Come back. They would have wrote the first draft out on a piece of papyrus, which was right. like um, either animal skin or like reeds taken out. It's almost like recycled papers. Mm-hmm. What it would have been yeah. like. And then they would have written a first draft, and they would have scratched it out, and they would have done a right. second draft, like and all. Like the process is so interesting. Right. And I don't think we think of sending off an email we think of writing on a piece of paper and like how prevalent paper and sending letters like what's it cost us to send a letter what did you think well now now the price of stamps have gone up trust me okay so i sent a lot of postcards go ahead (laughs) It, it used to be what to send a letter Oh, I don't remember. Back but in the day, a penny stamp. Yeah, yeah. Say, it's like, it's, like it's, fifty cents at it's most. It's close to a dollar now. <laughs> if you point. if you say stamp paper and the pen, the bot that you bought, oh, right. you know what I mean. You're, you're, you're looking like fifty cents to a dollar. Right. Okay. So to write a letter in the ancient time, you're talking uh, the letter to Galatians, which is one of Paul's shorter letters, would have cost about a hundred dollars our time. That's crazy. So think about how much that would have been. Yeah in their time yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like letter writing was not a cheap thing to no. do no. in their time frame they didn't just ship it off via email or like through the post so the fact that these guys wrote these things um it was an expensive adventure mm-hmm. and and they were very purposed right. about the things that they were communicating right. so guys do you guys any other closing thoughts and and audience thank you so much for for hanging with us <laughs> as we went through all those dates but uh, any closing thoughts as we, we kind of wrap this up? I don't know if you are going to probably go into it, but like the interpretation of scripture and the languages that it's written in is always mm-hmm. fascinating to me yes. and how they've yeah. changed. Like you have the three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and how those also point to that time of Britain-ness sure. or wherever yeah. wherever right. they are, the culture that was involved at that time and how that influenced the language in which they, they wrote in and how right. we're trying to do our best to now interpret that mm-hmm. language that was ancient, you know, one hundred percent, yeah. Time almost imprints like mm-hmm. the style and the the words that they used, and yeah, all of that. The language that they used, like they didn't write the Bible in English because <laughs> English wasn't a language right. or a common language at that <laughs> yeah. point in time. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, they used the language they had at that time, mm-hmm. and so when we understand that, we can go back and we can look at the context and look at the look at the ways that language was used at that time so that we can better compare and understand. And yes, I am going to do a whole, we'll do a whole okay, series perfect. on, awesome. on uh, the biblical languages. So nice. Love it. But. I think for me, I mean, this is, this is kind of my personality in any way, but I just want to encourage those who are listening mm-hmm. um, because like we had said at the beginning, I had to do a lot of research. And even honestly, I know you both looked at me. There were a couple of times Chris asked a question. I looked at Brandon. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I feel confident answering that question. Um, so just I hope that encourages all of you because yeah. I don't know it all. And I work at a church. I went to Bible college. Um, but my my greatest encouragement, I mean, even as we were sitting here, I learned things uh, while we're recording this podcast. Um don't give up on it. You know, mm-hmm. you have the church leaders and the staff. There's so many resources that are available um, to you. So don't don't try to do it alone. Don't think like I don't I don't know everything there is to know. Just keep dissecting it. Keep learning. Mm-hmm. Keep growing because that is the cool part about God's word is mm-hmm. that there's always something new that we can grasp from it. And mm-hmm. and the more you study it and the more you get to know it, the more confident you're going to be in sharing it with other people but the more confident you're going to be in hearing God's word and, and hearing what he has for you in your life too. Yeah, Amen, well Stacy. Well, well said. And with that, I'm going to wrap us up. So <laughs> that was, that was great. So um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for, for bearing with our dates again. I, that's the third time I apologize, <laughs> not apologizing anymore, <laughs> but thank you for listening today. I hope that this stirs your interest and, and it gets you more intrigued and studying and researching the Word of God. There's so many, like Stacy said, so many good resources out there. 
so many of them are free and, and so many of them are not. <laughs> but if you ever need help with a resource or if you want more information or want some good resources to, uh, to, to look at, just reach out to me. You can reach out to, through the email that I gave earlier. Um, send it to my email, crediatthetree.church. And I would love to help you get connected with some resources that would encourage your, your Bible reading, your Bible study. So that's why we do what we're doing here. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.